0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. In our gospel passage, we are going back in time, back to the time of the Last Supper. That's where this conversation takes place, and Jesus is telling his disciples, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I will give you the Holy Spirit to be with you all of your life. And you and I and the Father will all be together in a union of love and life together. And that's really what is happening in today's passage. Jesus does say on that day, probably referring to the day of the resurrection... On that day, you'll know that I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me, and I am in you. And this is, of course, confirmed on the day of Pentecost itself. We've probably heard many, many sermons about the love of God for us, because it's something that we need to hear over and over again. It's something that is essential and central for us, his children, to hear over and over again that God loves us we probably have not heard that many sermons about how to love Christ by fulfilling his commandments though we are going to speak a little bit about that but we really can't speak about our love for Christ our love for God and our love of our neighbor unless we first speak about God's love for us So the first half of this sermon will certainly be familiar territory for us who have come to know the love of God. Well, the first thing we need to know about God's love for us is that it draws us into Christ. The love of God draws us into Christ. And what is the love of God? The love of God is called gift love or agape love. Part of the problem in the English language is we just have one word for love, basically, and we use it indiscriminately. We say, I love Rocky Road ice cream because it gives us pleasure and we want to consume it and eat it as fast as we can. But we use the same word to say that we love our children or that we love our spouse or that we love God. And certainly we don't mean the same thing. The Greek language has four words for love. So they're much more precise. And agape love, the love of God, the love that God has for us, is called gift love. That's what C.S. Lewis came up and coined this phrase, gift love, because it doesn't arise out of any need in God. God just loves to give and just loves to give and just loves to give. In fact, CS Lewis says, God loves us not because we are lovable, but because he is love, not because he needs to receive, but because he delights to give. This is so important to understand. God loves us because His own divine being is love. And He loves us on our very best day. And He loves us with this gift love on our worst day. And He loves us with the same love every day in between. Because God is love, God's divine being is love, and He just loves to love us. That's just something that we have to just accept and take to the bank that's not the way the world works right we learn very early that many things happen according to performance because that's how this world works but that's not how god works and so we can't take our human experience of performance and our human experience of love and hoist and place it on god because god is not like us and that's part of the good news that God's love is not like our love. God is total gift love and we simply get to say amen and live in it and receive it and just bask in it and swim in it. And the more that we hear about God's great love for us, the more we begin to accept it and receive it, the more it sort of sinks in that God loves us and the The game that God's playing isn't anything like the game that we play here on planet Earth. Well, the second thing that's important for us to know, the gift of the promised Holy Spirit empowers us to love Christ. The Holy Spirit is necessary for us to return God's love and to return God's love to our neighbor We mustn't think that we can set out to love God and love our neighbor under our own power because we will fail miserably. Or we will fool ourselves that somehow we are doing it when we're not. There's a great story about some Catholic schoolboys. You might call them naughty Catholic schoolboys. They were in the back of the church, and they were cutting up. They were telling dirty jokes. They weren't paying any attention to the priest and the priest got so frustrated that he walked right down the aisle and he got in front of them and he went like this. Well, those boys knew that they were in trouble and he says, you come here. They had to follow the priest and the priest stood up up in front of a large crucifix that was there in the church. A crucifix sort of like that, uh, well, that one uh, with Christ on the cross, but it was very large. And the priest said to these boys, he says, I have a challenge for you. I want you to repeat something over and over again and see how long you can do it. Well, they thought this is going to be no problem. But they also wondered if they were about to get into real trouble. What he asked them to recite was Christ on the cross means nothing to me. So he said, go ahead and say it. And these boys said, Christ on the cross ...means nothing to me. He said, say it again. Christ on the cross... ...means nothing to me. Say it again. Christ on the cross means nothing to me. And on the fourth time... ...one of those little boys... ...broke down... ...and began to sob. Because the Holy Spirit... ...that was given to that boy... ...in baptism... ...had finally broken through... ...his mind and his heart... ...and he knew that what he was saying wasn't true. And this true story ends with that young man becoming a priest and even a bishop. So watch out what you do in church. (laughs) But it is the Holy Spirit that moves in our hearts, moves in our minds, and empowers us to love God and love our neighbor. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. The God who is gift love. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of love. And so this energizing spirit of love can come in and move in us and move through us as we give our love back to God and we give our love away to our neighbor. And so let us not begin this uh, adventure of love without the Holy Spirit. And then the final point before we begin to talk about loving is that the proof and the reality of my love for Christ, the proof and the reality of your love for Christ is indeed in keeping his commandments. That's the only proof of love is that we actually obey and keep the commandments of Christ. One of the most important things for us to know is this. If something is an actual command of God or Christ, then it is coming from God's heart of love for us. God has no commands that are separate from his will to do us good. So there's no arbitrary rules that God has that he wants us to jump through like little dogs in a dog show or some sort of thing like that. Any true command of God Comes from God's love and is actually for our best and good and highest. So we can trust any command of God to be for our own good and betterment. And so that's really important because we can trust that if something is indeed a commandment of God, it's from his heart of love for us. And if we do it, we will be fulfilled and blessed in it, not because we made God happy but because we are doing his will and his will for us is always for our good. So let that sink in. Okay, well, let's just stay with the one command to love our neighbor. Christ gave us many commands, but let's just focus on loving our neighbor. What do we have to know in order to love our neighbor? Well, here are a few things I think we need to know. That love actually has to do with the will and not so much our emotions or our affections or our feelings. This is very strange for us because the last hundred years in song after song and poem after poem and love story after love story, movie after movie, love is always acquainted with some sort of feeling some sort of affection and most often of course it's romantic love that everyone has in their minds but in fact C.S. Lewis reminds us that love in the Christian sense does not mean an emotion it is a state not of the feelings but of the will that state of the will which we have naturally about ourselves and we must learn to have that about other people So this is not about whether we feel it or not. It is about whether we do it or not. We'll get back to that in a second. Now, he talks about the fact that we naturally work towards our own good. I really know very few people who do not naturally operate day to day for their own demise. Most people, unless they have real problems, They naturally work for their own good. They do things for their own good, things that they want, things that will be good for them. They just naturally do that. We do that from the time that we grow up. What we have to do is to continue that but for someone else. What would be something good for us, we can do something good for others. Jesus said, do unto others as you would have done to you. So this is just a natural extension of that. And so we uh, begin to think about what would be good for other people. We can't always know exactly, but common sense will tell you what would be good for generally other people. And we can start to say, how can I begin to do that? How can I actually act for the other's good? Because that's a definition of agape love. It is to will and to act for the good of the other person. To will and to act for the good of the other person. So we might start to think, how can I help this other person? We can think about it. And then the most important thing is to actually act and to do it. Because real love is about keeping the commandments of Christ. Real love is about acting in a loving way, not thinking about it, not trying to conjure up feelings. In fact, C.S. Lewis says, don't wait until you have the feelings. Just begin to act as if you love someone. And if you begin that process, the spirit will, in fact, actually sometimes give you the feelings and the emotions that go with it. But again, the most important thing is the act itself of love, not the feelings. Last week, for some reason, I don't do this every Sunday, but last week, as I was driving here early in the morning, I came and I got off on Echo Lane, and I went under the underpass and <clears throat> came around. And of course, I see the bundle uh, of a person or two underneath the bridge. And uh, a lot of you know where I'm talking about, just right over there on Echo Lane, underneath the underpass. And I thought to myself, you know, I really today should just collect up all of the donuts and the fruit and the stuff that we eat in the parish hall and just give those to, uh, to those people underneath the, after the service. I mean, that, that just is a, a no-brainer thing to do, but I don't always do it. But last week, something just told me to do it. Well, so I decided to do that. But before I could get there, I had to go someplace else in the total opposite direction. And to pick up some other things. But I was determined, I was determined to do good for those people who were sleeping under the underpass. So after I ran this first errand, then I went back to give this food. Well, they weren't even there. They had scattered somewhere. And I don't really know their names, but from time to time I say hello to them. So I just dropped the food there and I went on my way. But I had completed the act of love. I had completed the act of loving my neighbor because I guarantee you, if I was under the bridge, I would really love some donut holes and I would love some fruit and I would love some uh, kolaches. I would love that. So I knew for a fact that I could love my neighbor as myself. So God asked us, to think about what we could do for others, and then to actually do it. And we start with very small things just like that food. Very small things like a phone call, like a letter, like a cup of cold water, like a visit, like choosing not to gossip. There's just a million ways, but there are small ways that we can actually love our neighbor. Well, the good news is that God loves us with gift love, and it's not about our performance. And once we catch hold of that, we can, by the power of the Holy Spirit, return that love to God, by loving our neighbor, by fulfilling his commands, and the Spirit will empower us to do good for others. And we can start even today. We don't have to always feel it, but when we feel it, that's a nice thing too. But Jesus calls us to do unto others as we would have done to us. So today when we receive the very person and presence of Christ in the Eucharist, may we receive it for the love of God, and for the good of our neighbor. Amen.